Welcome back to New Rockstars. The Batman's gonna put the world's greatest detective to test, but will vengeance Pattinson just curb stomp his way out of it? <laughs> this is the big question. This is my Coors Light, I promise. Yeah, we're, we'll put that in post. No, mm. John, enough, enough. Taste the Rockies. We put too much on John. <laughs> yeah, John, I need you to CGI this out of my hand, make my hand look open, and then put the can in. The Big Question is a podcast that gives you too much information about how Batman's detective work is actually not at all what you'd want a detective to do in real life. I see you like cutting the eyes out of photos of women. My son is a big fan of that, too. And what's going to happen when a Zodiac-style maniac actually makes him use his brain? Yeah, I'm excited. The, the world's greatest detective that gets his uh, the people he's supposedly protecting very injured or kidnapped or put in cases of peril. Or just half of them perfectly burned right down the side of their face. Yeah, so a, that... very, a very asymmetrical burn seared perfectly down yeah. the center. Absolutely. I'm Eric Voss. Here with me to analyze Batman's detective work is upstate New York's 10-time prosecution sidestepper, Tommy Bechtel. That's well done. right. If the... Yeah. Swigel's white hot dog does not fit. You must acquit. That's a <laughs> very regionally specific. Uh, that's the Rochester equivalent of. Uh, that's right. <laughs> well, Matt Reeves, the Batman film appears to take a cue from detective noir stories like Seven, Chinatown. Many are realizing that despite being credited as the world's greatest detective, when it comes to actual detective work, Batman's record is kind of a mixed bag. So, Tommy, our big question for you this week is... Is the Batman actually a good detective? Ah, that's a great question. And allow me to become a detective and ask some questions like, what makes a good detective? Well, good detectives observe, research, interview, find patterns, are able to keep an open mind, follow the evidence, etc. They do their This homework. is not the detective I know from yeah. watching TV and right. films. My detectives drink real hard. They beat people up. Yes. And at the end of the day, you love them despite them having no real family to come home to. Dead parents. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they also notice one little thing wrong with whoever the most famous guest star is, and then they <laughs> solve the case. Like, wait a second. Gene Smart has a feather on her pillow, but she said she was allergic to birds. All right. Great job, Columbo. You solved it. They, all right, so they, they do their homework, unlike me, who had to repeat multiple grades and only was able to pass his classes when daddy put up money. They don't work backwards from preformed conclusions. Good detectives collaborate with the community, other state agencies, and uh, witnesses in order to build their cases. Bad detectives do just enough homework, pulling a Bechtold, to justify <laughs> hunting down someone their gut tells them is guilty. Bad detectives are violent and violate civil liberties. Bad detectives go at it alone, lone wolves, you know? Any of this mean anything to you? So what we're going to do today is we're going to review past cases of Batman's work and we're going to grade him uh, based okay. on the, the, you know, the true world's greatest detectives, the Scooby gang. Mystery team. A plus detective work will be Velma. B will be a Fred caliber detective. C, C will be Scooby. D will be Shaggy. And well, wait, uh, so Scooby's higher than Shaggy. I guess that makes sense. That yeah. dog who can talk is definitely a better detective than a stoner yeah. who's constantly running away from everything. I found some candles. 
That's right. And by the way, Daphne's not even on this scale. So. Yeah, well, Daphne's useless. She yeah. just says, Scooby-Doo, where are you? And then gets tied up most right. of the time. And of yeah. course, receiving a Fallon grade is... Old Man Jenkins! That's <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the worst detective is one who's trying to pretend to be a ghost to scare kids That's off right. of a property he wants. And he would have gotten away with that it. That is kind of what a lot of Batman are, is they wear masks and yes. they use fear to scare people away from things. That's right. That's... that's the world's worst detective. And they're always blaming the kids in their life, like Robin. I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for that damn clown. If it weren't for... <laughs> and Damian Wayne, my son. <laughs> uh, all right, so, first case. Dun, 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 dun. That's the People's Court music. Is uh, okay, okay. Uh, Hush. <laughs> Hush, which was yes. a 2002-2003 comic series and a mm-hmm. 2019 banger of an animated film. <laughs> Many people uh, believe that Matt Reeves is going to pull from the Hush storylines for his upcoming movie. So the mystery being solved is a man with a bandaged face is masterminding and manipulating all of Gotham's villains in a plot against Batman. That's so right. yeah, yeah. what are Batman's detective skills that he puts to use here? Well, Batman smartly observes the out-of-character behavior of Catwoman, you know, bad gal that makes him a little horny. So he finds clues, such as the fact that only someone with familiarity with the Batmobile could shoot out its tire. That's the weak point in right. There. Most of the time, you can't really shoot those out, but there is like right. one access point, and, yes. and he notices that. That's a little, a little death, a little weakness in the Death Starry, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna say that they stole from Star Wars here. So he doesn't let his notions blind him too much from the truth. He does sometimes get a little off track in this uh, saga, but he's also suffering from a brain injury for much of it. And as someone who received two concussions from football, it's hard to remember stuff once you get hurt in the head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You now where was I? Play clock at five. Tommy, come back to us. Batman. Coach, I can't. I can't play, Coach. I can't play. I don't got <laughs> enough left in the tank. Wake up, Tommy. Tommy, the, the year is 2020. It's 2020. a darker it's... timeline than where you came from, so maybe you want to go back to it. Well, listen, I was about to make a terrible joke that would have been edited out, and I just won't. <laughs> so finally, he uses his great deduction to realize the Riddler's agenda, and in the end, he outsmarts the Riddler into keeping his identity a secret, which, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty intelligent. Well, it's like the world's greatest riddle is uh, one that people don't know the answer to, so the right. Riddler's like, ah, damn, you know? Yeah. It's, it's such a great little moment there yeah. at the end of Hush. Hush is like one of my favorite Batman graphic novels because mm-hmm. he like, he actually is smart enough and dumb enough. He's like an accurate detective and he yeah. uses smart detective work, right. detective skills, so that like when he fails, it makes sense. When he succeeds, it makes sense. Yes. It's pretty amazing. With that cumulative detective body of work, we give this one a full on grade A Velma. We give this one yeah, sure. the, the full Velma, which you usually have to pay for to get, but this one is a free full Velma for you. All right, case two. Yeah. And we're, we're talking, this one is going to blow the doors off this courtroom. Case two is the classic film, Batman Forever, 1995. Oh, why are we talking about this one? This is the last time Batman actually faced the Riddler on the big screen, so. Oh, yeah, I guess in live action for sure, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's talk about Batman Forever, because that is an interesting one. And as I've said, Paul Dano is the Jim Carrey of his time. <laughs> the Riddler, played by Jim Carrey in what created a million Halloween costumes with the between the like fluorescent fuchsia hair and the green bodysuit. Uh-huh. I know I owned it, and I don't have a body for a bodysuit, so everybody. Oh, was the, the wardrobe on that film is wild. Like uh, he's got to light up. It keeps me safe when I'm jogging at night. 
Yes, absolutely. And the question marks, I mean, I've got to tell you, it was like the closest thing you could buy at Walmart to being like a set accurate costume because the Riddler's co- <laughs> it was literally just a leotard. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the Riddler, played by Jim Carrey, uh, taunts Batman with clues about his identity as he and Two-Face, played by Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> rob businesses around Gotham. At the same time, Bruce's former employee circulates the brain-draining Vox around the city. So, yes. Oh, yeah. okay. So, yes. You know, it is interesting. Looking back on that movie, the point of the clues was to just screw with Batman to be like, can you guess who I am? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it directly contradicts what the Riddler, Edward Nigma is trying to do yeah. with, yeah. like, learn all of Gotham's secrets through his, you know, uh, telecom tech. Yeah. A bit self-destructive. It, it is. More of a, like, uh, stalkery thing. Like, he just wanted to yeah. be noticed by Batman. All right, so, bat- in this one, let's look at his detective skills. And they're not great. Batman is a passive investigator waiting to respond mm. until the Riddler delivers clues directly to him, literally into yeah, his mansion. Yeah, I guess that's true. He doesn't really go after him. He just kind of is like, oh, yeah. another crime scene. Yeah. Oh, thank God there's a clue here. The riddles are relatively simple. I remember solving them as, like, a teenager. Or, you know, I, think, <laughs> I don't even think I was a teenager at this point. Batman deduces... A easy to find numeric pattern that translates into the Riddler's name. By the way, a, a good detective would have made the Riddler Edward Nigma connection weeks earlier. And by then, yeah. it was too late. The damage had been yeah, done. And that alphanumeric thing was bizarre. Like it honestly felt like Eric Cartman putting the numbers together to make yeah. everything 9-11. Like 18 is R M R E. How about Mr. E? Mystery. And another name for mystery. Enigma. <laughs> Such an insane sequence. Two minus one is one. One, one, eleven. Two minus one is one. One, one. And there are nine members on Silverstein's board of directors. That's nine, one, one. Nine, eleven. It was, it was cool in 95, and now yeah. looking back on it, oh, that's why QAnon exists. Yes, exactly. And by then, he had already killed my dear friend Ed Bagley Jr., so it was too late to save him. And if you kill Ed, you crossed me, and that's just simply a line too far. We're giving Batman, uh, for that death alone, we're giving him a D, which is a registered shaggy. Reggie. Yeah, it makes sense, because yeah. you got to imagine uh, Val Kilmer's approach. While he is a very smart Batman to that yeah. world, right. his investigative work is, seems a bit stoned. It seems like he's yeah. not really trying that hard. He doesn't yeah. seem like that eager to solve and sleuth out the case. No. He's not a very good detective in this story. No, no, no. Case number three. This one's a classic. Aren't they all, though? But this one really is. The Long Halloween, 1996 to 1997 comic series. is another great comic storyline that people are thinking that Reeves' uh, film might be taking elements of for its its story. Or inspiration, at least. So the mystery is the holiday killer has a new victim every major holiday. I mean, are we including, like, Secretary's Day here? I don't know. It feels like it's National Dog Day once a month, by the way. Side tangent. They should only get one day. Marking the deaths with festive decorations and leaving behind a 22 caliber pistol with a rubber baby bottle nipple as a silencer. Notable mob figures are usually the targets of, uh, of the holiday killers. Right yeah, off. one of the more interesting uh, villains that we've seen in Batman comics. It, it, an interesting gimmick for sure. Yeah. Uh, a bit ahead of its time. Yeah. And the baby bottle uh, thing is, is just such a fun yes. thing because it's a literal silencer for babies, you know, mm-hmm. like shut them up. Crime, but it's like a silencer on the gun. So there's like a lot of layers to this. It was just really fun to read. In the yeah. Comic. Okay. So this was one of the first times we saw Batman do actual police work uh, alongside mm. Gotham PD and the district attorneys. It was pretty grounded. Also, many city authorities are painted as corrupt in this one, which has become right, a huge, right. huge theme in Batman 
both TV or the Gotham TV show and comic books since then, I feel like there's almost always some corrupt elements. Uh, Batman yeah. interviews the Calendar Man to get Hannibal Lecter style insight. So that was I, that was a really cool sequence in that. Uh, Batman yeah. cleverly predicts Holiday's next move and stages a trap for him. So that's mm-hmm. you know that's showing the actual uh, willingness to learn the, the behaviors and habits, and instead of just following a gut feeling. And this all ends with Holiday getting unmasked as Alberto Falcone, yeah, uh, Carmine's yeah, yeah. son. Uh, Batman did not see that coming. He he yeah he missed it. He missed it. Um, overall though, pretty solid detective work. Like and the fact that like the things that he does are not goofy. Right. You know other versions of Batman that we've seen. Right. He's not just fighting his way out of it. He's right. thinking. He's applying real detective work. The fact that he goes back to interview yeah. the calendar man, it, it does feel like a Silence of the Lambs type yeah, move that absolutely. the real FBI would do. You were doing fine. You had been courteous and receptive to courtesy. Now this ham-handed segue into your questionnaire. It was, it was just such a grounded story. This really did feel like one of the world's greatest detective type stories for Batman. It did. I, I enjoyed it. And the grade that I ultimately had to give him here is a B. Uh, we're giving okay. him a Fred, a handsome Fred. But the reason I gave him a B is because by the time Batman really uncovered the mystery of who Holiday, the Holiday Killer was, Harvey Dent had already become the real threat oh. as he had turned into Two Face. So yeah, you know, that, so within the within the confines of the story, he did fail. He did fail. If we're right. judging, like, was this a good detective story? Absolutely, yeah. a yes. plus detective story. Yeah. But the character was just a, too much of a step behind. Is he the world's greatest detective in that story? Yes. No, he fails. He lets Two Face be created. Yes. Okay, now to avoid any recency bias, we're going to go to our next case, which is Batman v Superman, colon, (laughs) Dawn of Justice, colon, The Ultimate Edition. And um, the reason we're going to cover this is this is the most recent time we saw Batman try to solve a mystery in a movie. So the mystery is criminals are planning for the arrival of the white Portuguese in Gotham. Right, yes. A codename Batman is trying to determine the meaning of. You know, isn't that interesting that that is the mystery in the first act of Batman v Superman, but because there was so much in that movie and the movie becomes about his like anger and his fight with Batman, we just kind of forget about the whole white Portuguese yes. part of it. Yeah. And it's just about like, oh, he's he's trying to figure out ways to weaponize kryptonite. Yeah. And then he learns that he doesn't have to fight Superman because their parents have the same name. Why did you say that name? And then they both, they all work together. It's the white Portuguese was the mystery plot. We kind of right. forget. Right. Well, I'm sure if we just give Snyder a few more cuts at it, he'll be able to weave that in a little more seamlessly. (laughs) That would totally be worth our time to petition for. Anyway, let's take a look at the detective skills that were put on display in this movie. Batman tortures low-level gang members by burning a bat brand into their skin to get information. By the way, yeah. with the, with a proper civil lawyer, you know, if you if you actually had a lawyer that would file a petition, I believe that Bruce Wayne could be bankrupted by this. If they could tie oh, for sure. Bruce Wayne to Batman and prove that he branded them with, like, if they could figure out that the technology that was used to brand them, even if they don't figure out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but that it was something from Wayne Tech that branded him that way, I think they could take Bruce Wayne down financially for this. Yeah, absolutely. For negligence, it's kind of like how people would sue gun manufacturers whenever a shooting would happen, you know? like There's probably a judge who would hold Wayne Corp in negligence for that. Absolutely. Because today is a day for truth. I believe you. 
So, and as a result of them having those brands, they get killed in prison, which he <laughs> shrugs off and says, we're criminals, Alfred. That's right. He doesn't really care. He, basically, the all lives don't matter of Batman uh, <laughs> not nihilism. So, when he learns that the white Portuguese is just a beautiful boat, he pursues the criminals, shipping the cargo in a deadly chase, which again, he doesn't really have any regard for human life in this movie. He works alone. He refuses really anyone's help other than a very snarky Alfred who really looks like he's more annoyed that he has to hang out with Batman and Bruce Wayne <laughs> than anything else. This is just maybe a Jeremy Irons, you know, delivery thing. Yeah. I love Jeremy Irons, but he definitely... Jeremy Irons is fantastic in that movie, but yes, I agree. Yeah. He definitely feels more like year 15 of a marriage between the two of them, and they're just like, <laughs> I don't even like to look at you anymore. I don't even like the look on your face. When you breathe, it bothers me. When we would lie in bed together, sometimes I would look at you and see her and just feel so gross. I felt repulsed when you touched me. You're a slob. They're definitely sleeping in separate beds. Absolutely. I mean, one might be sleeping in a cave for all we know. So anyway, like I said, (laughs) he's working alone and then he steals the cargo from Lex Luthor, the kryptonite, in order to build a weapon of mass destruction and take out Superman. Literally the savior of the world. Look, I guess you could argue that this Batman is not based on the world's greatest detective Batman. He's based on the Dark Knight Returns Batman, who is just like an angry old man who's trying to kill Superman. Makes sense. Yeah. But why include the detective plot? at all at that point in the story. So uh, honestly, the better investigator in that movie is Clark Kent because in the you know Ultimate Edition, we absolutely see him do some interesting investigative work and we see him, he's a, he's the world's greatest detective of Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure, the Ben Affleck Batman, we don't really get to see him do a lot of good detective work in the yeah. DCU. So obviously, if you haven't figured out by the shredding we just gave this, <laughs> his grade is a old man Jenkins. <laughs> he is an old man. Man. Yeah, it's the old man Jenkins who's scaring the shit out of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of the bad guy. Of the and I would have gotten sure. away with it if it weren't for you, Lois Lane, and that meddling Jimmy Olsen that got assassinated <laughs> in the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, he's good in other ways. He's an awesome Batman to watch fight, watch uh, to crush people's skulls. And he's he's kind of fun. Ben Affleck does a great job playing like the smug, just kind of shit talking <laughs> Batman to Superman. But he is not a good detective at all. We should not be taking any lessons learned no. from this Batman. This is the Batman she tells you not to worry about versus the uh, whatever that <laughs> meme is. The man she tells you not to worry about. This is the Batman we tell you not to worry about. Anyway, case number five. We're taking it back. We're taking it way back to Gotham by Gaslight. Not only written over 30 years ago now, uh, but also taking place in a bygone era. This was also adapted into a 2018 animated film. Yeah, that's right. They loosely adapted it into a kind of some similar plot points, but the final reveal was different. And this also was adapted into a conversation piece on my bookshelf, which is my most frequent. Uh, can I borrow that? What is that about? Followed by me telling them what it's about, followed by them going, eh, I'll just borrow the killing joke again. <laughs> so anyway, the reason we're going to talk about this one is with Reeves Batman having Zodiac parallels, this is Batman's mm. most famous run in with a real life serial killer, Jack the Ripper. So the setting for the mystery is this. It's an Elseworld Victorian era goth. Jack the Ripper has arrived and is murdering young women. Many believe Jack to be Batman. Sure, And Batman is tried and convicted for the crime. Batman must unmask the real killer in order to save himself and the still living women of Gotham who would like not to be murdered. It's such a great story. It's such a cool what if uh, thought experiment that it's really, really fun setting. Uh, By the way, I encourage people to borrow it off my bookshelf. They just usually are like Victorian era. We don't like things that we can't visualize as a time when we were 
were alive. Oh, it's like the perfect era, though. And like in the the comics, it's you know it's exploring Jack the Ripper if mm-hmm. it were in Gotham. But like in the movie, it ends up going to the World's Fair, which feels like it's based on the the city of Chicago World's yeah, Fair yeah, at the yeah. turn of the century, yep. which had like the most famous American killer, you could argue H. H. Holmes. So it feels like it's like the coolest setting if you're into dark serial killer yeah nonfiction. absolutely so in the comics jack the ripper ends up being uh, batman's attorney uncle jake packer and in the movie uh-huh. believe it or not the jack the ripper is actually revealed to be jim gordon kind of <laughs> yeah, awesome that's right yeah he's he's got this cool monologue about like clearing the filth out of gotham and it yeah. has to do with like his wife driven insane oh it's yeah <laughs> oh it's always the wives that drive that, that go insane <laughs> yeah. that make men kill isn't it they're always doing it on behalf yeah. of their insane wives that definitely didn't ask them to so in the comics batman deduces that jack the ripper must have been a surgeon who worked with his father the movie is a bit crazier he only figures out that jim gordon is jack the ripper by relying on selena kyle some luck and a houdini handcuff trick i paid houdini 300 dollars for that trick so going on our earlier standards of what makes a good detective and a bad detective he does some decent detective work but he also relies uh-huh. on the old gut feeling and a little bit of luck this is like a very tv detective oh, sure. level mystery solve so we're gonna give him a perfect down the middle c a scooby c rat the ripper a re why a re i want a ray you don't get a ray scooby you get a re case Number six, the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, three movies that came out in 2005, 2008, and 2012, all directed by noted director Christopher Nolan. I don't know if you've heard of him. These are considered by both me and Eric and a lot of other people, the best Batman films. I'm just kidding. I'm not putting words in Eric's mouth, but they're- No, I agree. I think they are the best Batman films. Is he the best Batman? No, but it's the best, like, the best stories that we've seen. I I completely agree. So what we're going to figure out, or what we're hoping to see is, is- Will will Pattinson's Batman be a better detective than uh, Bale's oh. Batman in the Nolan verse? Okay, well, what's the standard? How good of a detective was Bale's Batman? Swear to me! Bale's Batman was, I would say, detective work-wise, he certainly used his relationship with Jim Gordon. Like, they definitely, he worked with the, with the Gotham City Police Department and also subversively against the Gotham Police Department when him and Jim went rogue. But, like, he was That's definitely, right. he definitely worked his best when he worked with others, right? Like, the Bale yes. Batman definitely embraced the team spirit. The tech yeah, yeah. And, and resources were off the charts for him. I, I don't remember a lot of gut instinct... You know, I, I, he seemed to be kind of by the book, right? Like he had a code that he repeated to Selena Kyle. No guns, no kill. He was kind of a rule-abiding Batman. Yeah, and Batman Begins, or in two of the movies, he had to deal with the League of Shadows, and both times he does not see the League of Shadows coming at all. Right. I would say in The Dark Knight, the Joker ends up kind of winning, right? Like he yeah. terrorizes Gotham, and Batman kind of has to become the villain by yeah. the end of that film. He's super yeah. heroic. I would say that that is true up until the point that he chooses not to kill the Joker because that is clearly the outcome the Joker wanted was for the chaos. He knew that if if he could get Batman to kill him, in my opinion, how I interpret it was, if if Batman decided to kill the Joker, then he would be forever lost as a hero. He would be, you know, he would always be this kind of
kind of like ruthless. Oh, like, yeah. Gotham would never see him as a savior. They'd always fear him. So anyway, the detective skills and Batman begins. Batman is completely blindsided by Ra's al Ghul's return and relies on Lucius Fox's antidote. Yeah, Lucius is kind of the hero of the story. Hero yes, of the story there. Absolutely. And I think that might have been deliberate as that's a kind of a character that people were less familiar with, you know, like that was going to be yeah, in all three yeah. movies. So I think having him kind of, you know, put the hammer down in the first one was like maybe a deliberate thing by a, a far off vision by Nolan. It'd be like, we're establishing Lucius Fox as a like pillar of these films. So in Dark Knight, he cooperates with Dent and Gordon. He uses smart forensics to track the Joker, but he does violate civil liberties to extradite Lau and, yeah. and, and beat up the Joker in the interrogation room. So yeah, you can't yeah, do that. That, that, that is, uh, he does lose his cool. Absolutely. He is also spying on everyone uh, in the city of Gotham. Right. He just like Patriot acts yeah. the entire city of Gotham. Yes. He violates yeah. everyone's Fourth Amendment rights there. Right. And in Dark Knight Rises, he doesn't see Bane or Atalia coming at all. I mean, he literally sleeps yeah. with Atalia. Which, I mean, listen, we've all been blinded by a beautiful woman before. You know? It's happened. Yeah, but not a not a good detective in, in that movie. No, sure. no, no. Bale Batman is heroic, but not a good detective. His best work is accomplished between uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Yeah, it's kind of like we don't see it on screen. When Batman Begins ends and The Dark Knight Begins, it's implied that there's been a lot of good detective work in between those. Maybe just Nolan found the detective work side of it boring. Like, he does use the ballistics. We see it in montage, but it's never like the big revelatory moment where it's like, aha. I I don't know if Nolan was as interested in that side of the character. Yeah, I think with, with all of that, it's tough because I think at certain points he is a good detective and does exercise a lot of the good skills that we talked about, but he also does so many mistaken or bad or irresponsible things that in the end I kind of feel like it all averages out into a C a solid Scooby C I think that's fair yeah and you know a lot of this came up because we we saw this Twitter thread kind of a hot take of a guy saying that nowadays we want to see a good detective story Batman how do you make uh, Batman a good detective in the modern age because yeah a lot of what we've seen on screen is Batman just like beating the crap out of people violating people's rights yeah um, being like a kind of a corrupt cop and you know, kind yeah. of elevating that kind of behavior so mm-hmm. people thinking that's what a good hero is. So how do you make a good Batman? How could Pattinson, a uh, Batman, be a better detective mm. and be a true detective that people are like, this is what we should identify with as as good heroic detective work. Yep. I saw that. I, I enjoyed that thread. It was it was very thought-provoking. Well, and I think the, he kind of brought up the idea of making Joe Chill a cop. Yeah, you know, that's how you do it. It's right. like now Batman's enemy is like the corruption within Gotham PD. Right. I think that's one way to go. I think another way to go is just like I mean, Nolan started to do a bit like how, you know, Joe Chill got off. Right. And it was like an example of the corruption of the criminal justice system. But I think if they lean more into that and really show how the Gotham PD are, are kind of like not helpful in this process. Yeah. Um, and also, it seems like this Batman film is going to explore how the Wayne family has played such a huge role in the corruption of the city. And so it seems like they're already going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're going to have this um, Jeffrey Wright Gotham PD series on HBO. You know they're going to explore issues of like police brutality yeah. and corruption. Oh, yeah. Like there's no way HBO is going to do this story and not lean into those themes. No, no, they have to, I think. And I think that'll be really interesting and hopefully done. I, I, I have no reason to believe that won't be done in a way that is compelling without feeling like it's uh, exploit exploitative, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and ripped too close to headlines right now, you know, that make us uncomfortable right. to watch it. So it's definitely going to yeah. be a tightrope dance and I admire them for trying for sure. Yeah, but it still looks like this Pattinson beats the crap out of people. Yeah. He got in way too many punches on that 
dude. So it's going to be a tightrope. They're going to lean to both ways of yeah. it. But I hope at the end of the day, this is a Batman that has some kind of like a, a reckoning with his own soul. I hope he looks inward rather than just like blaming society for being wrong, which is what Nolan ultimately did. Also, I'm starting to sweat like a bat symbol in the middle of my shirt because I turned my air conditioning hey. off to uh, not make a sound. So by the That's end, how all Batman yeah. begins. Uh, is, this is, is my Batman. Sweating begins. his logo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a fear. Uh, it's a symbol. <laughs> no guns. No sweating. All right. All right. Well, thank you for breaking that down. I think we learned that Batman, as we've seen in the comics, could be a fascinating detective. In the movies, there's still stories to be told yeah. about how great of a detective Batman can be. Yep. But before we continue with some bite-sized questions I'm going to answer, we want to thank our friends at Coors Light for helping us make this episode. You know, I've been taking strategic sips of it for the past uh, half hour. Mm -hmm. Look, the reason why we've been loving working with Coors this summer is we all have a lot of stressors in our lives right now work hustle, family stuff, trying to keep from going crazy. Sometimes we just need to hit pause and take a moment to Joe Chill, but not Joe Chill, just this average Joe Chill. Mm. And when we do, we grab a Coors Light and it is the beer that is literally made to chill. And uh, you've been seeing it throughout this episode. The mountain glows blue. That's how you know your beer is cold, like the Rockies ready to chill and sip. Tommy, I know you're a big fan of Coors Light. I am, and God knows now more than ever I could use one down here, but unfortunately Uncle Doug got to the mini fridge last night and pounded them all in what I can only call a dramatic episode. So I'm here sipping water <laughs> like a chump, trying to get these sweat marks off when the cold blue Dr. Manhattan style mountains could chill me permanently. <laughs> well, not to rub it in your face, but Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. Yeah. So when you and Hit Reset, everyone wants and reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Mm. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mm -mm -mm. We also want to thank our friends at Hero Health for helping us make this episode. It's kind of hard to remember to take medication, right? When I wake up in a cold sweat thinking about old cap roaming the streets, this guy's still alive in our timeline, how it's possible. Stancing with the old ladies, taking my girlfriend away from me. The last thing on my mind <laughs> is taking some pills. Well, Hero is your medicine cabinet reinvented. The Hero pill dispenser sorts all daily medications and delivers them all with a push of a button. If medication isn't taken, the Hero app will send a notification to you, a family member, a caregiver, so a dose is never missed. Hero makes it simple and easy to make sure you or your loved ones stay on track and get the right meds at the right time every time. Your hero membership includes the app, the pill dispenser, and 24-7 support for just a dollar a day. Hero even has an optional service that delivers medication directly to your door. Never miss a dose again and always have peace of mind with Hero. And right now, if you go to HeroHealth.com slash BigQuestion, you'll get 50% off. That's 50% off initiation fee wow. and a 30-day risk-free trial with a money-back guarantee. That's HeroHealth.com slash BigQuestion to start your membership with 50% off and a 30-day free trial. Don't forget, that's HeroHealth.com slash BigQuestion. All right. Well, we've answered some big questions. Now it's time for some cute little bite-sized questions <laughs> that Eric will answer. Yeah, baby. Yes. All right. Let me make sure I'm saying this right. A Jessel, a Jessel mm -hmm. on Discord asks, Marvel versus DC. Uh -oh. Other than Marvel taking the idea for Thanos from DC's dark side, awkward. Yeah. Who ripped off or stole characters more? from each other. Okay, yeah, that, that is an example. And let's be clear about something. When we say stole, you can say the publisher stole, but a lot of times these are the same 
artists going back and forth, right. like Jim Starlin went back and forth. A lot of the people, you know, worked for both companies. Mm -hmm. But um, we should also say that both Marvel and DC comic book characters were often just imitations of figures from ancient mythology, mm -hmm. from, from horror genres, right. from other literature, from ghost right. stories. And they're like, yeah, that would work as a character. Right. Um, not to say plagiarism is uh, completely inexcusable, mm -hmm. but like, I would say in most of the time, neither Marvel nor DC is really the true originator of what you love about these characters. But to answer your question, I do have to say that Marvel Silver Age definitely has a worse track record for ripping off DC Golden Age characters. Mm. There's just no debate there. Mm. I mean, you could argue Marvel made them better. But in the 60s, a lot of the characters you saw in Marvel Comics were just basically ripped off versions of what we saw in DC Comics earlier. Just to give some examples, uh, Marvel's Doctor Strange was essentially DC's Doctor Fate. Marvel's Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm were basically DC's Elongated Man and Sue Dibney. Characters who maybe weren't as popular, you could say Marvel made them more popular, but they didn't originate them. I mean, Marvel took their speedster Quicksilver pretty much from DC's The Flash. Marvel had Ant-Man, DC previously had The Atom. Marvel stole the name Captain Marvel from DC. And then I'm like, ugh! Uh, and then you go, oh, uh, uh. So much so that DC later had to change the character's name to Shazam. <laughs> and Marvel was so cheap about it. They're like, his name's not Captain Marvel, it's Marvel. Capetian Machiavelli. All right. Oh, and, come but on. by the way, what a glow up. Captain Marvel to Shazam? Yeah. My God. Yeah. And then, of course, like, not just speedsters, you have the Arrow guy. So uh, Green Arrow yeah. was at DC. And then later Marvel's like, well, ours is Hawkeye. Mm. But it also went the other direction, too. So, like, Marvel had Namor. It was one of their oldest characters. Mm -hmm. uh, DC later invented Aquaman. And then Marvel had Iron Man in the 60s. DC later invented the Rocket Reds, which some people said, mm. were, you know, were ripped off version. So it goes both ways. Marvel's probably a bit more guilty of it. Mm. But um, but then you could argue when it came to the movies, DC tried to steal Marvel's whole movie release strategy, right? And it didn't work well for them. No. Hello, darkness, my old friend. All right, next, Ruby also on Discord asks, "Why didn't the boys drown Translucent? Poison him? Mm. Choke him?" His skin would be intact, but his windpipe would still be shut off, right? Yeah, um, it is kind of a, a it is a bite-sized question for sure, um, because it's not very clear. They say that his skin is impenetrable, but he also says like his body is mostly indestructible. Mm. Like there is just a moment in the episode where Butcher and Frenchie are debating. They mention all these past attempts by others to kill Translucent, mm. um, and and then Huey cuts them off. But like I think the point of that conversation was to say look, dozens of people have tried to kill Translucent using all the obvious ways and none of them worked. Mm. Like people tried, it just didn't work. Maybe because like in addition to being indestructible, he's, he can turn invisible and then like uh, slip out of their hands and kill them. Mm. So like, yeah, I mean, maybe you could argue even if you did cut off his windpipe or if you tried to poison him, like his brain wouldn't die from lack of oxygen or his heart wouldn't go into cardiac arrest. Like it's not just his skin. Mm. Even his organs have some kind of defensive quality. Like if they had the time to forge that carbon fiber bullet, you have to imagine they would have known other methods. They would have tried other methods if they thought it would work. Mm. And when they shoved the explosive up his butt, I don't know if they knew for sure that would work. It just because it had never been tried before. Mm. So it's that unknown that scared Translucent and, and made them think like we might actually have him. And when Huey hits the trigger, I, I don't know if he knows it will work. 
So I, it's kind of like a, an experiment in that mm, moment. Yeah. So I think that's why they don't try it, is they just don't know. Mm. Like, they've heard of other stories where people tried certain things, and they aren't going to repeat that same mistake. They get, like, one shot to uh, try to kill him mm. once they get him out of that cage. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think that's where that comes in. They do get him eventually, though, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, yeah, they <laughs> blow him to hell. Yeah, yeah for sure. In a really painful yeah. way. Uh, Zepp O'Neill yeah. took to YouTube and made a comment and asked, can Nightcrawler teleport into people? <laughs> I love these kind of questions. Yes. Let's get more of these kind of questions. Rather than like comparing one thing from a universe to another thing of another universe, yeah. just ask us from one universe, could yes. it work? Well, Nightcrawler, looking through the pages of the X-Men comics, has definitely used teleportation to like sever a limb, mm-hmm. sever someone's head. Mm. But it's worth remembering that Nightcrawler's body itself is not indestructible. He's made of flesh and blood the way the rest of us are. If he were to try to do that within someone else's body, he'd probably also break his own body and, and explode his own flesh ah. so maybe he could but he would also die right so best best uh, just to be safe and not uh, tell kurt wagner that you want him inside you that's what i take from that yes always the best advice yes all right we got time for one more box of scraps, box of scraps. question and our box of scraps this week, Tommy, is what's a weird crush you've had on a celebrity or a fictional character? You know, I, I love this question. I really thought about it because obviously, like, I, like uh, most of the people I thought of, I eventually came around to, like, they're attractive people. It's hard to, like, say. But I would say, like, at times in my life that I had weird crushes, the mom on Boy Meets World I was really into for a while. Well... It's the mother's turn. She had kind of a raspy voice, like a little bit of a like sexy voice, and like you know she. She's was, your friend's mom. Who's she, kinda, yeah, kind of hot. She yeah. was a great mom, you know. And then of course, like on the like weirdo front, Lola Bunny in Space Jam. Lola Bunny triggered oh, a lot yeah. of emotions for me that were like mm. i think for all of us a lot of the uh, like j- literal jessica rabbit like it's a rabbit with jessica rabbit's body yeah. so uh that yeah. that certainly gave me one of those unhealthy expectations for what uh <laughs> the girls on my basketball team at my school would look like so <laughs> they aren't rabbits they don't have long ears <laughs> they can't dunk that's the big thing yeah. it's like i can't date a girl who can't dunk exactly come on for me it was ursula from the little mermaid yeah. I don't know what it was, man. Yeah. I think that character, little five-year-old Eric, yeah. watched that movie. Yeah, and there's just something about Ursula. I mean, they she's super sexy. The way they yeah. animate her and the way was it her looks? Voice, Divine's voice acting yeah. was just like her pretty Divine. face. Her pretty face. Don't forget the importance of body language. Yeah, she has that little moment where she's like, "Life's full of tough choices." In there. And you were like, gay. <laughs> She's just super curvy and yeah. sexual and like down with whatever. She's a diva for sure. So that's funny. Some men are boob men. Some men are butt men. Eric is a tentacle man. Hey, I got to be honest, Tommy. That movie programmed me from a young age, <laughs> imprinted me so that later I would see things like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. Dead Man's Chest, and then the giant kraken comes up yeah. and then like you see those tentacle suckers just like and i was like what am i feeling right now so this this explains why whenever eric and i get sushi you demand that we get calamari that's so weird oh yeah i'm a squid i'm a squid boy i'm a little squid boy (laughs) i I mean i wanted her to win that movie yeah like when she like bursts out of the human body and her squids just slap on that deck i was like something something is stirring in me prince eric penetrates yeah that's right at the end of that movie 
it's just it's weird yeah. i did it yeah. it's weird i i wanted her to win and she didn't hey you know what there's always sequels right maybe she'll win in the live action version maybe the live action version will address that ariel's supposed to be like 13 in the in the book yeah and that's not okay i uh, i remember summertime i'd be playing in the backyard and jumping in our pool and then i would look through the window and watch my sister and her friend watching the little mermaid yeah. and i would wait for the moment where ursula would come in and i'd run inside and just stand <laughs> in the living room and be like <laughs> and then oh, she would leave shit. and then I'd, I'd jump back in the pool and I'd wait like oh it's a final battle and I would like quickly dry off and like slip across the floor yeah. so I could watch and be like Eric what are you doing and I'm like shut up shut up shut up it's almost done I just, I just love watching her lose that's it I love it <laughs> and then she gets electrocuted and her jawbone yeah. fills in her whole jowls yeah. it's like the fattest jawbone you've ever yeah. seen there's so many weird things with yeah. the animation in that movie she had some thick so. Jawbones in that movie. Mm. Mm, she she gets it. She gets it. She gets me. Yes. And I I'll never get her. What, an, okay. what an absolute unit. <laughs> <laughs> well, before this gets too weird, yeah. that is our episode of Big Question. So great to chat with you, Tommy. Thanks for breaking down Batman's detective skills and to show us that there's room to grow. Absolutely. We can all improve. A reminder that you can join our official Discord by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars, where you can ask us these questions directly. It's where we're most likely to see your questions. You can also get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars Big Question wherever you get your podcasts. And you can send us your big questions on Twitter using the hashtag BigQuestion. Question. You can follow me at EA Voss, follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold, and follow New Rockstars on socials. And uh, make sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell, and we'll see you next week. Mwah.